0: Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Sumrall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. And Brother John's got some things laid out for us today, but I'm going to mess him up a little bit. So, Brother John, warning. Uh, You know, welcome to live. You never know what's going to happen. Like this morning, I got up and cranked up the computers and um, no internet internet on the, the hardwire into the main machine that I do this on. So, I'm crawling around under tables and, you know, checking wires and you know, finally I thought, you know, I'm just going to unplug that new system they hooked up and plug back in the old system. And guess what? The simple answer worked. Oftentimes in life, the simple answer works. But I want us to read Psalms 91 today. We we all got bad news yesterday. We're still under general quarantine for another two weeks. And we kind of expected this with all the news lately on the spiking and the hospitals filling. We We kind of expected this. So we're not we're not shocked by it, but it is getting weary. And I want to remind you again of the promises of God. All of my offering thoughts during this period have been about it's time to receive. You know, this is not a time to get on the internet and challenge people to give. You, you, COP, you're great givers, you're great tithers. But this is the time when I had to challenge you. You've done all that God has asked you to do. Now, let the second half of the promise come into place. Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you. Paul said, in the matter of giving and receiving. As we taught you last weekend in the services, you know, the people that God made the promise to were generous, consistent givers. And they'd given from the earliest days of their salvation. And Paul said, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. That was a promise given to generous, consistent sowers. So please, some of you are very discouraged. You're very discouraged with business. You're very discouraged with your careers. You're very discouraged with the economics. But brothers and sisters, this is going to end well. And you're going to end with more than you began. This is not going to wipe you out and you start all over. Don't, don't even begin to think like this. God is not the God of wipeout. This is not going to be a time when God stands back and lets you get wiped out and you start all over again. This is going to be a time of blessing. This is a time for you to walk in faith. This is a time for you to understand, you know what? I've done everything God asked me to do. Now I'm going to stand back and test God. Malachi 3 tests me in this. If I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there's not enough room to contain. This is the time for you to see the reality of God in your life, and your family. No, you can't stay home and sit on your butt and watch Eat Bulaga. You can't do that. God blesses the work of your hands. But at the same time, this is a time for you to be encouraged and not discouraged. It is going to end well. And you're going to end with more than you began with. Wealth will transfer. God will bless you. Please. Brothers and sisters, you all during these, what, four and a half months now, you've heard me do nothing but challenge you. This is a season to receive. This is a season where you watch the faithfulness of your God. This is a season where you stand back and you recognize that the Bible says, faithful is he who promised. Watch the faithfulness of God. This is a time for you to step back and watch. God shows himself faithful to those that are faithful, as the scripture says. This is the time for you to step back and go, all right, Lord, show your glory. Show your glory in my life. Let my relatives, let my friends, let my family see what you do. I'll do my part, Lord. I'll roll away the stone. I'll work. I'll give you work with my hands for you to bless. But God, let people see your glory in these days. Psalms 91, beginning with verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness did you hear that? Sister Bev taught you about it in detail. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. That's that great protective rampart that goes around the outside of the city. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. We'll we'll see a lot of destruction in these days. We'll see death. We'll see businesses die. 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot because he holds fast to me in love. You know how much I love that. Because he holds fast to me in love, I, I may not do a lot of things well. I may not be the most perfect human being in the universe, but I can love him. I can love him with everything in me. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's open up our hearts and worship now.
1: And speaking of the promises of God, in Romans eight twenty-eight, we have a promise. It says, and we know everybody say we know know. know. what do we know we know that all things work together for good to those who love God who loves God who's called according to his purpose amen so for all of us who love God and called according to his purpose he works all things together for our Good. good so we have this saying if it's not good it's, it's
2: not the end
1: it's not the end amen because the end of the story is always going to be a testimony of God's goodness amen. the end of the story no matter what you're facing right now the end of that story is going to be the grace of God amen. it's going to be the goodness of God and yes. you're gonna have a testimony to yeah. share with everybody in your life of the goodness of God Amen. So no matter the story it's gonna end up bringing praise to amen. our almighty god yes. amen yes. so we're gonna sing and in praise yeah.
0: Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, thanking you for all of your goodness, all the blessings that flow from your grace and from your beautiful, beautiful, generous hand. You place your hand upon us, and we're blessed, Lord, and we give you thanks for that. We come to you, Father, right now, and I pray for for all of our people. We just, after having done everything, Lord, we are in a place where we're just standing, and sometimes, Lord, all we can do is stand still and see the salvation of our God. This is one of those times. Father, those of us that have lived a few more years, we've, we've watched your reality. It's not questioned in our hearts anymore. But there's a whole new generation right now that's learning. They're learning how real you are. Father, I ask in your grace and in your tender mercy... Even with the faithless, show yourself faithful. Let a whole new young generation see the reality of God in their life, in their family. Let them see your provision. Let them see your faithfulness. Let them see the promises of God kept. Let them see that these just aren't wishless, Lord, that this isn't wishing upon a star, this isn't just some false hope. That God, you're alive and you're real. Let a whole new young generation begin to see that. Miracles of healing in their families, Lord. Protection from this plague for their families. Provision for their families. Father, let them see the gracious, tender hand of God Lord, your word says that you stoop down. Your gentleness, your stooping down makes us great. Father, we ask in these days, in our time of weakness, stoop down. Let your gentleness lift us up. Let your gentleness lift up the hearts of your people. Father, some of our people are so tired They've worked so hard for so long, just, just putting food on the table, and they're tired. Father, in Jesus' name, put strength back into their hearts again. Oh, put strength back into their hearts, Father. Put strength within their bodies. As they come before you and wait upon you, Lord, let them renew their strength and mount up with wings as angels. Let new physical strength come within their bodies. Let new strength come within their soul. Oh, Father, in your tender mercy, in your gentleness, in your stooping down, Lord, pick up your people and make them great. Glorify yourself in their lives today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship. I'm sorry. <laughs> Good morning.
3: Hi, COP family. i Cash Domingo from Creative Ministry. And on behalf of my family, I would like to testify God's goodness in our life during this lockdown. So, aside ng dad that our other source of income is yung family business, namin na general merchandise. So, we have bazaars among our companies and many more. So, the moment na lockdown was implemented, our merchandise as well was lockdown dun sa company na yun. So, as a family, we prayed together just like what Pastor said. And praise God, after days of lockdown, Dad was able to find a good supplier ng washable face mask. And the following days, good suppliers keep keeps on coming in, patio yung mga needed supplies during this lockdown. And, as a family, we work together, mom and dad, yung manager, and as for me, I'm in charge of marketing and accounting. While si kuya at si ate helping me out in sharing online and sa deliveries. So, yung dating buong araw na nag-spend time ako sa phone na wala masyadong ginagawa, I nagspent time man ako ng maraming oras sa phone. I am busy, I am working, I am entertaining all the inquiries ng customers. So totoyong sinabi ni Pastor na our phones are not on lockdown. And every day God gave us sales priest God. So God is so good and God gave us these two verses. It says in Matthew seven seven, uh, Matthew seven seven to eight. Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For every one who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. And in Mark's Mark 10 verse 27, With man it is impossible, but with God, for all things are possible with God. So, COP fam and young people, um, God said you have not, because you ask not. Start asking God what you can do, remember what seems impossible to man is possible with God.
0: Amen. Three generations of that family in the church. They're down at South Campus now, and I've had the privilege of watching them grow up. You know, this is one of the great joys of being a pastor, watching the hand of God upon a family, watching three generations grow up among us. God is good. I want to talk to you about the services this weekend. Uh, Now that we know that we're still at 10% capacity, unless that changes, we will be having a service on Friday night all four campuses, but this will be a one-hour prayer and worship service. Emphasis on the prayer, just a little bit of worship. We really need a good night of prayer for the nation and prayer for all of our families. So this is going to be a, a wonderful night of prayer. Now, we can't lay hands on people, but I've got something different that we're planning to do. Uh, well, you'll see it when you get there, all right? But we're going to do something a little different that we, where we can't lay hands on people, but we want to pray for everybody. So we'll see you on Friday night. Then Saturday morning, the drive-in service at South Campus. Yes, South Campus will be open. Uh, We should be having the answers on all of that. We're sorry that there's been the confusion between uh, the Rojas family and the um, uh, Melmati group, uh, Goldenrod. Uh, They've been having some quarrel over some land out in front and blocking the gate, but that should be all solved by this weekend. Uh, We'll have full access again, and everything will be safe for the family. So drive-in service on Saturday morning. And we're going to do something a little different in the drive-in service, too. And we can now open the CRs, all right? So we'll have the seniors go in the CR on one side, and we'll have the others go in the CR on the other side. But, again, it will be regulated two at a time and this type of a thing, all right? So we have to be very careful about how we do things. And then Saturday night, all four campuses, Sunday morning, 7.30, 10, 12.30, and 3 o'clock, all services. I'll be teaching you on after you have done everything all you can do now is stand and really that's what we're in the season of right now especially after this last government announcement you've done everything that you know to do now we stand All right, let's get into the word today we're going to finish the book of Acts can you believe it? when we preached our way through it it took us 10 years almost 10 and a half Acts chapter 28, beginning with verse 11. After three months, we set sail. They had to wait for all the storm season to pass. We set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria. Okay, another grain ship bringing food to Rome with the twin gods as a figurehead. Now, I think there's something that we need to notice here. Paul got on a boat that had idols mounted on the front of it, and it didn't bother him. He didn't fight about it. He didn't fight with it. He said, no, no, we've already shipwrecked one. I'm not going to get in another boat that's got demon gods carved into the front of it. Paul was not a spooky man. Paul recognized, God's with me. Now, brothers and sisters, you're going to walk into stores with idols. You're going to walk into businesses with idols. You're going to you know, be sitting in places with idols. You, you don't need to be in a war with everybody. Paul just ignored it. You should, too. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Piteoli. And there we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. So notice, this centurion is still being very kind to Paul. He finds, and, and I like the word, we found. In other words, they were looking for the believers. Whenever you go on on vacation, look for a good church and make sure you're there on the weekend. We we found the brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. So Paul had a beautiful royal welcome coming in. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. Now notice. Paul has been through so much. I mean, he's been through so much persecution from the Jews. The last two years he spent in jail or on a ship and getting shipwrecked, all right, for almost three years. He has no idea what's what the church, excuse me, and what the Jews as well as the church in Rome are going to do when they see him. But they travel way out of town. I mean, a day's journey at least to meet him. That caused Paul to be thankful to God, And that encouraged Paul. You know, sometimes it is a great encouragement. Sometimes when I do my visitation and I'm looking for a house, all of a sudden I'll I'll find one of the brothers or I'll find one of the young people standing on a corner waving to me and walk back with me to the house. It's always an encouragement like, hey, we're welcomed here. This is a beautiful thing. We're, We're loved and we're welcomed here. So you can understand Paul's encouragement. And when we came into into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier that guarded him. So Paul was not put in one of the horrible prisons in Rome, and the prisons in Rome were horrible, all right? But he did have a soldier that guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. Now, why did he wait three days? Folks, after you finish a journey and you know you have a confrontation... Rest for a few days before the confrontation. Now, now Here's a great truth, okay? Rest before confrontation. He knew this would be a confrontation with the Jews in Rome. He knew this might not be easy, so he rested for a few days first. Never walk into a confrontation tired. I've made that mistake in my life. Never walk into a confrontation tired. Your mind does not move as quick, and you're not as patient as you need to be. And when they had gathered, he said, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. So he said, listen, Jewish brothers, you know, the, the Romans are the occupying army, but it was our brother Jews that gave me into their hands, even though I had done nothing wrong. And when they, the Romans, had examined me, they wish to set me at liberty. He said, they recognize I did nothing wrong. He says, so well, why is it that the occupying power is nicer to me than my own people? Because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I ask to see you and speak to you. Since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. All right, now notice a couple of things here. Paul said, listen, they were attacking me. I was not attacking them. Now, now here's a great truth every leader needs to get a hold of. There are times God's people are going to attack you. Sorry about that, but there are times that God's people are going to attack you. And there's going to be times that the world is nicer to you than God's people. Never go back and attack God's people. Paul said, I had no charge to bring against my own people. I had no charge to bring against the nation of the Jews. D- don't, don't attack back, okay? Sometimes you just have to take a punch. For this reason, therefore, I asked to see you and speak to you, since because of this hope of Israel, I am wearing this change. Now, he said, listen, I am in chains. You're right. Paul was wearing chains. He said, I'm in chains for a reason. And that's the hope of Israel, which... It's the hope of the resurrection that we saw when he stood before King Agrippa and his sister Bernice. And they said to them, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken anything evil about you. Now that's fascinating. Maybe the Jews never expected Paul to make it alive. And when they heard that the ship was shipwrecked, they felt no need to continue the attack. They probably rejoiced. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. He said, listen, what what you teach in these people that you represent is spoken against everywhere. And when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Now notice, Paul's use of Scripture was the Old Testament. So when New Testament, when you get around churches today and say, we don't read the Old Testament, well, that's how Paul preached the gospel, from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. This kind of concluded the discussion. The Holy Spirit was righteous, saying to your forefathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull, and their ears can barely hear, and their eyes have been closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. These are the same verses that Jesus quoted to the Jews in Jerusalem. Verse 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Now, again, whenever Paul finished with the Jews, he told them, I'm going to the Gentiles. I mean, you have to understand this. Paul never hid his calling of Gentile ministry, even though he knew it would finish him among his own people. He put his calling ahead of his relationships with his own people. This is why the big fight happened, remember, in in the the temple courts when he was arrested. He talked about the Gentiles. So he he knew this was going to ah, just start a fire. But Paul was never ashamed of the fact that he was called to the Gentiles. He never put his relationship with his own people ahead of the people he had been called to minister to. The people he was called to minister to He was always standing up and proud of them. They will listen. He knew that because he'd been through the Gentiles. He knew they listened. He lived there two whole years at his own expense. So Paul's a prisoner, but he's having to pay his own way. And he welcomed all who came to him. So he might have been in chains, but this is why in other places he says the gospel is not bound. And welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So Paul couldn't move around and preach to people, but people could come to him. And they came to him every single day. They would come in and Paul would teach them about the kingdom of God and teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness. And notice, no hindrance. Can you imagine revival fires that he lit? And notice, the Romans did nothing to hinder him at all. He was, yes, he was in a chain, but he was free to preach Jesus. Now, maybe that's where we are right now. The coronavirus has us kind of chained down. (laughs) But we can preach with all boldness, and we can preach without hindrance. Ah! You can meditate on that one for a while today. Now, let's go to another time of worship. 2 Chronicles chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. All right, so Jehoshaphat is now leading Judah and Benjamin and he strengthened himself against Israel, the 10 tribes. He placed forces in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that Asa, his father, had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Because he walked in the early ways of his father, David. Now, beautiful truth there that we want to dig out a little bit. God was with him because of how he walked, how he lived his life. Now, brothers and sisters, I know that we are born again. We are saved by grace. I know that all that we have in our promises of salvation flows from grace. But there are so many Christians today in the world that have a tremendous revelation of grace, and they have no revelation of sanctification. They think they can live anywhere they want to live, and it's all all right. It's not all all right. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Now, I want you to notice God was with him because of the way he lived. it's, It's not that he earns the lifestyle, but maybe it's qualified for the presence well, no, I'm qualified by the grace of God. Yes, I know. Words, words are limited to, to convey understanding. I understand. But at the same time, we need to realize that there is a life that we have to live if we're going to live right. For, for instance, ladies, if, if your husband was um, hanging out with a guy that was always committing adultery, I mean, this guy couldn't keep his zipper up. He never saw a girl he didn't want to go to bed with. And your husband was hanging out with him a lot. Would you continue to allow his presence with that guy? No, you would. You would have a big fuss if he didn't listen to you. That guy, the way he lives, disqualifies him for your husband hanging out with him. Now, In the same way, we have to understand that God is a holy God. And he wants to live and hang out with people who are holy this is why even the apostle paul says come out from among them come out from among them and be be holy he said and i will dwell among you when we live right there is a difference in the presence of god upon our lives so he continues because he walked in the early ways of his father david now it's going back to his ancestor king david Now, what were the early ways of King David? That's something that we need to study. We need to make a note of that. And I'll put a little note in my Bible that next says to it, study, study the early ways, because that is a tremendous thought. He did not seek the Baals. He didn't seek these demons, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and did according and did not according to the practices of Israel. So he didn't act like the ten tribes. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. He said, hey, God, God made his leadership position strong because of his lifestyle. See, God doesn't make your leadership position strong because of your ability. God makes your leadership position strong because of your lifestyle. And all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. Prosperity came because of his lifestyle. Now, are you beginning to get the word lifestyle? When you say walk, that means lifestyle. God was with him because of his lifestyle. God made firm his position of leadership because of his lifestyle. Prosperity flowed to him because of his lifestyle. <laughs> but now the next verse. Now, I mean, this one may be a sermon one day because it's, it's fascinating. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. Wow. Didn't say his heart was courageous for battle. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. Now, some of you young people, you need to get a hold of that one. Is your heart courageous in the ways of the Lord? Are you courageous about the things of God? Ah, there's a sermon in there someplace. You know I like that thought. <laughs> and furthermore, he took the high places and the ashram out of Judah. Again, he's getting rid of the demon stuff. In the third year of his reign, he sent officials, ben halal Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathanael, and Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah, and with them the Levites, Shemaiah, Nathaniah, Jebediah, Ashiel, Shemiramoth, jo, Jonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tobadonijah, and with these Levites and priests, Elishama and Joram, and they taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them, and they went through all the cities of Judah and taught the people. Now remember, before this there was a famine of the word. Remember, we just we just taught you that yesterday. There was a famine of the word, chapter 15, verse 3. Now, to to take care of that famine for the word, this is the solution to the famine of the word. You send people to go teach everybody. People cannot live what they do not know. Let me say that again. People cannot live what they do not know. Let me say that again. People cannot live what they do not know. So he sent people through, all of Judah and Benjamin, to teach them the word of God. And the fear of the Lord fell upon the kingdoms on the land that were around Judah. And they made no war against Jehoshaphat. I like that. Some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver for tribute. And the Arabians brought him 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats. And Jehoshaphat grew steadily in power. Why? Because of how he lived. And now he's teaching the people to live right. He built in Judah fortresses and store cities, and he had large supplies in the cities of Judah. He had soldiers, mighty men of valor in Jerusalem. This was the muster of the men by father's houses. Of Judah, the commander of thousands, Adnah, the commander with 300,000 mighty men of valor, and next to him, Jehanahan, the commander with 280,000. And next to him, Amasiah, the son of Zikri, a volunteer for the service of the Lord, with 200,000 mighty men of valor. Of Benjamin, Eladah, a mighty man of valor with 200,000 men, armed with bow and shield. And next to him, Jehazabad with 180,000 armed for war. These were in the service of the king, besides those whom the king had placed in the fortified cities throughout Judea. You know, Pastor, this must have been a huge nation to have an army this big. Now, every able-bodied man was trained and served in the military in Israel. And to this day, it is the same. Except in today, it's able-bodied man and woman. Chapter 18, verse 1. Now, Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. Now, here's where we begin to make a mistake. He made a marriage alliance with Ahab. After some years, he went down to Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and oxen for him and for the people who were with him and induced him to go up against Ramoth-Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered, I am as you are, my people are as your people, we will be with you in war. And Jehoshaphat singed, said to the king of Israel, inquire first, for the, inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, four hundred men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah the son of Emmaiah, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me. Isn't that interesting? Rather than receive the word of the Lord, people hate you because of the word of the Lord. Now, one of the things you have to learn, brothers and sisters, when people... Will not receive the truth. They hate the messenger, and this guy hated the messenger. And Jehoshaphat said, "Let not the king say so. Like, like come on, king, don't talk like that." Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, "Bring quickly Micaiah the son of Emmaiah And the king of it now, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes, and they were sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah the son of Cheniah made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them. You Speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what God says, what my God says, that I will speak. Now there's a true prophet. A true prophet is not moved by majority. A true prophet does not take polls and popularity votes. A true prophet does not repeat just what everybody else is repeating. A true prophet What my God says, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go up to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And he answered, go up and triumph. They will be given into your hand. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you shall speak to me nothing but truth in the name of the Lord? And then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, as sheep that have no shepherd." And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him. You shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster concerning you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chechaniah, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, behold, you shall see on the day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. In other words, quit performing and go pray. <laughs> Oh, I looked at a man one time and said that. Would you quit performing and go lock yourself in a room and pray? Pastors, if you're listening to me this morning, stop trying to be like everybody else. Stop performing. Stop trying to please people. And go into an inner chamber and pray. And get a true word from God for the people. And the king said, Seize Micaiah, and take him back to Amnon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with meager rations of bread and water until I return in peace. Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear, all you his peoples. In other words, Micaiah said, "Here, everybody, you should hear this too. Verse 28. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear robes. Now, listen to me, brothers and sisters, listen to me, businessmen. You don't want people who are hidden, silent partners. You don't want people that look at you and say, I'll help bear the risk with money, but you're going to take all the responsibility. That's not a partnership. This was not a partnership to make him wear the kingly robes because that would make him a focus of attack and the, the king of Israel disguised himself. This is an unequal partnership. Maybe they had equal investment, but they did not carry equal responsibility. Meditate on that one. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now, the king of Syria had commanded the captains of his chariots, fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. As soon as the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, it is the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him. God drew them away from him. Now, even when we're a fool, God helps us. Now, again, here's a revelation that you need to get a hold of. You know how I love to teach you that when we're faithless, God is faithful? Even when we're a fool, God helps us. Same principle. He was a fool. He should have never been there, as you'll see in a few moments. He should have never been involved in any of this. He was a fool to be doing it. Now, please forgive me, but all of us at some point in our life have gotten ourselves in something we had no business being involved in, and we were a fool. We might not want to admit it to anybody else, but at least admit it to yourself. We've all been a fool being involved in the middle of something we should have never been involved in. And notice, God helped him. Some of you right now are, forgive me, in that foolish situation. If you will cry out to the Lord, notice he cried out. If you will cry out to the Lord, God will help you. For as soon as the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale of armor and a the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle continued that day, and the king of Israel was propped up in his chariot, facing the Syrians until evening. Then at sunset he died. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now here's the kind of the kicker on the end of the whole story. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. But Jehu, the son of Hanini, the seer, went up to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Now, God saved you, but uh, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Nevertheless, some good is found in you, for you destroyed the Ashurith out of the land and have set your heart to seek the Lord. So here is a man who set his heart to seek the Lord. Here is a man who had a lot of, done a lot of good things, but the wrath of God still came against him, but I mean, God tempered that with mercy. Because should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Now this goes back to chapter 18, verse 1. He made a marriage alliance with Ahab. Ahab was one of the most wicked kings in the history of the ten tribes. And God God says, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? He said, because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Now, please forgive me, but straight up talk. God is in his face about his friendships and his relationships. Yes, this is the closest king, the closest peer that he can be a friend with. But God said, uh, should you help the wicked? Should you love those who hate the Lord? Folks, you don't want to have friends. Yes, we have acquaintances that we do business with. Yes, 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 yes. But you should not be friends with people that hate God. You should not be friends with people who live wicked lifestyles. Even though there's good in you, and even though you've set your heart to seek the Lord, There'll be a reaping that comes into your life. Choose your friendships carefully. Now, I've made some bad friends in my life. I I know. And even bad preacher friends, all right? But then, you know, you find a good friend. And if you'll be patient, God will bring a good friend. I have a good friend, Pastor Claude from Cathedral of Praise, Rockhampton, down in Australia. Good friend. You know, we talk sometimes twice a day. And it's all about... ah, What we've been praying about, what we've been studying about, he loves God. The people who are close to your heart must have the same love that you have in your heart for God. Now, if you go out and help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord, yes, you may have a heart that seeks God. and Yes, you may do a lot of right things, but you're still going to incur the wrath of God. You want to help people that love God. And you want to hang out with people that love God and live right. We'll see you tonight. Seven, oh, one last thing. One last thing. I got just a minute. Since we can't do big crusades in the provinces and we can't even do our truck crusades in Manila, we want to work really hard during this lockdown season on opening branch churches. So we're, we're putting together a whole bunch of work. And we've. We we figured out a way to build like a 100 to 150-seat auditorium with a a parsonage on the back very inexpensively. And I I had two people on the same day. In fact, from one meeting, walk back home, get on the Internet, and there was another offer from somebody else. They want to help us pioneer churches. Now, if you've got like a 300 to a 500-square-meter lot in the province, now please, not far away yet, Okay. We wanna start here close to Manila. We've made that mistake in the past. We need to be able to supervise these churches and make sure that they're handled properly and they're growing. So starting in outskirts of Manila, going south towards San Pablo in that area and going north up toward um, Erneta in that area. Here, central Luzon and southern Luzon, all right? If you've got a, a lot 300 to 500 square meters to say, Pastor, I'd like to donate this for the church. We'll sign papers that it will be used exclusively for church. It will never be sold. It will be used exclusively to put a church on for eternity. You know, we'll sign papers for that. That's not a problem for us. But if you'd like to do that, please contact me, contact your district pastor, and then let's start working on this because we're ready to start building some churches and putting some pastors in. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.